0: so good to see you. It is Hymn Sing Sunday. So I hope you will enjoy singing these old hymns of the church, these great songs. Let's stand and sing together. Choir this morning. Good job, choir.
1: Tell me.
2: voice
0: we worship you today. You truly are great. There are no other gods but you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and we worship you today. We fall at our feet and cry, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being Lord over all creation and Lord of our hearts, the God who knows us, the the lover of our souls. And we worship you today, Jesus. You deserve all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the majesty and power. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. may be seated.
3: As you're being seated, I'd like to invite our ushers to join me up here as we continue our time of worship through... Through our giving, bringing our tithes and offerings to him, what a blessing it is to be able to partner in his kingdom work, amazing stuff that our amazing God is accomplishing, not just in our community, but across the globe. And when we give to Woodland Life Center, um, portions of that money goes to ministry right here, and portions of it goes to ministry across the world bringing people to the feet of jesus so we are able to partner in kingdom work today when we do this would you join me in prayer jesus you are our provider we honor you today for the provision that has come and we thank you in advance for the the provision that is coming we trust you for all things you are our god we are your people So take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I think we have a little announcement video.
0: Trunk or Treat is going to be Thursday, October 31st from 5 to 7 p.m.
1: Please bring your cool and classic cars filled with candy to welcome our community. Also, we need
0: a lot of people to decorate a themed table that's going to be up in the chapel. A lot of other activities are going to be going on in the chapel as well.
1: We'll also have our chili cook-off down in the cafe lobby area. And we will have a prize for the best chili. Make it hot, all you cooks out there.
0: In the gym, we're going to have blacklight dodgeball, so be sure to come out for that. Plenty of sign-up sheets out in the Welcome Center for both the chili cook-off and table decorations. Please sign up.
1: You have something you want to say?
3: Truck or treat, October 31st, 5 to 7. It's a Don't Miss event. I need a pay raise. <laughs> All right, fun stuff coming up. So that's, uh, well I know we're a month out on that, but it's not too early to start planning towards that. So hopefully you will consider partnering with us. This is uh, one of our most significant community events we had. I think last year around seven to 800 people uh, came through our building here as we were ministering to them. So A great opportunity to connect with our community. All right, children, if you want to come on up here with me since it's the last Sunday of the month. Our kids are in here with us all morning, and we do something called Sermon in the Sack, which means that the Gibson kids have brought a surprise for me today. I have no idea what it is. And they're laughing. That scares me. When I pull this out, I have to try to, I'm scared to put my hand in there without looking. Ooh, neato. What do we have here? A harmonica. Lovely. Now, who who whose harmonica is this? It's yours. Do you play it? Can you can you play something for us a little bit? Not really. No, no way, Jose. Okay. So what do you do with the harmonica? What's that? You you blow into it, and what happens? It makes music. Is there a particular song you know how to play? At this point, no. So you're just kind of making noise with it, right? Do you know that? Scripture tells us that we can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, which a lot of us do because some of us don't really sing in tune very well. So when we sing and worship, we're making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Our hope around here is that we are creating an environment for not just big people, but for all of us little people here, too, to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. He created you. To be a worshiper of him. Do you realize that's something that we're going to do forever and ever and ever and ever? Right now, Jesus is sitting on the throne in heaven, and he's surrounded by angels who are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They're singing that right now. I don't know. Maybe if you just listen. Maybe you could hear them. But that's happening right now. And so when we sing like we were doing just a few minutes ago, we're joining in with all of creation, crying out in praise to this amazing God that loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. You, what's that? You did it, too. That's right. We were making a joyful noise unto the Lord today. And some of us had instruments like a harmonica. Some of us use our voices. Isn't that amazing? Awesome. Thank you for this awesome sermon in the sack today. I want to pray for you, okay? So you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for our children and the blessing that they are to us. And um, I pray that their hearts and their minds and even their bodies will be opened up to the to the power of praise. And and to the amazing things that could happen when we worship you, Jesus. You are our God and our King. You are our Creator. I thank you for all the amazing things, all the amazing days that are ahead of these kids. Bless them, protect them, lead them, guide them. May they only know their entire lives, you as their Lord and Savior and King. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we all prayed, And everybody said, Amen. Will you give our kids a hand? Thank you, kiddos. If you head over to Miss McKenzie, she's got some awesome workbooks for you. Yes. Oh, it's great. I love having our kids in here with us. I want to invite you to the book of Romans today and open up to chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Now, as you know, we're, we're in our rooted series here, and so we're doing our best to walk through entire uh, Scripture, Genesis to Revelation in one year, so, which means we can only be in Romans for one day. So I have 30 minutes to explain to you the depth and the breadth of the book of Romans, and there are people that are already laughing. And you really should. What is going to happen today is basically it's like jumping on a boat and skipping across the Pacific Ocean. If and, and you can't do that and then say that you've experienced the Pacific Ocean, okay? So we're skipping across the top here, and if you want to experience the depth and the breadth of Romans, then you're going to have to put on your scuba gear and go digging this week and on into next week and on into next year, all right? But I'm going to do my best to help us understand that when, when Paul writes the book of Romans, he's bringing uh, one of the best theologically sound letters to us. If you want to understand theology, if you want to understand justification, uh, salvation, and, and, and sanctification, and all of that stuff, he brings a beautiful explanation of that. Uh, starting in chapter one, all the way through chapter eight, helping us understand that I'm going to use our timeline that we've been using. Okay, so here we are, right in the middle of the stage is, is the cross. Everything prior to the cross is is the old system, the old Jewish system that was in place, and he's he's explaining in the first few chapters that Abraham was justified by faith, and that the system itself was never intended to bring justification. It has always been about justification by faith, starting with Abraham. So he uses Abraham all the way back here as the prime example for how salvation happens for us through faith. And it has always been that way. But the system was was put in place as a shadow of the things to come. So when, when Jesus shows up on the scene, right, he fulfills all of that. He goes on to try to explain sanctification, chapters 6, 7, and 8, and, and, and he's talking about this wrestling match that, that happens inside of us when, when we invite Jesus into our hearts, he comes in and we are saved, yes, but, but then there's a struggle, right, a warfare, and he's, and he, and he says things like this, you know, I, I do what I do not want to do, and what I, what I don't want to do, I do, and what I hate, I do, and he's, He's he's going through this this diatribe in in chapter seven, explaining the this internal struggle. But he says, you know what? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the for the law of sin and death has been destroyed by by this thing by by the Spirit of God. So he's describing for us that there is a there is an overcoming. that can happen inside of us because Jesus himself was the overcomer and when we invite him into our lives we are able to become overcomers. And then he he moves into chapters 9, 10, and 11 and quite honestly they're pretty challenging because he then begins to talk about the, the, the pain in his heart that he's experienced, that's, that, that he has for the Jews who have chosen not to believe in Jesus. And to help me try to explain this, I'm going to invite my, my helpers up here. So, fellas, if you'll come on up here, you know who you are. Uh, yeah, that's all of them. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Get out our timeline here. So, Jackson, since you are my son, you're going to represent Jesus here right in the middle. I'm going to represent God in this little play that we're going to do. We have Barrett and J.J. Barrett and J.J., if you'll come right over here, you are Jews. And then J.T., and you've got to separate yourself from the Jews a little bit because you're representing Gentiles for us today. Jackson, stay right here in the middle. All right, so I have brought some Monopoly money here, and this is going to represent spiritual currency, my, my relationship with the Jews. So this thing is established because of, of Abraham, right? Right. Abraham is is it's credit to him as righteousness, and so I'm I'm engaging with this Jew with these Jews here, but J.T. has no part of this because the Gentiles are always on the outside looking in. So he and it really creates a lot of jealousy on their part, and and the Gentiles end up attacking Israel all the time. We're constantly in warfare right here, okay, and a lot of it has to do with because. Because my blessing is on them, and my power is, 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 is being poured out on the earth because of them, because they are, they are my chosen ones. So there's this special relationship that's happening here. And that's that hap- happening all the way through the timeline until we get to the day that Jesus arrives on earth. And then there's a change that happens. So JT, I want you to come over here. You're still on the outside looking in. JJ, I want you to come right here on this side of Jackson. And Barrett, you're going to come here on this side of Jackson. Now, when, when Jesus shows up, there's a significant change that happens. And so I'm putting the Monopoly money away, and I've got real money now. Because the, the things that were the shadow of the things that were to come, when Jesus shows up, the real thing happens here. So we have this amazing currency that's happening between God the Father and God the Son, right? There's this, and and and, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that He's the perfect Lamb of God. There is no sin in Him that, that will that will hinder uh, our communion, All right. so all of this stuff that was happening over here, sin kept getting in the way over and over and over again, so what was really happening over here was kind of fake money Jesus shows up on the scene and there's this real currency that happens and I'm offering it to them as well because what Paul says in Romans is it first came to the Jews, so I'm offering it to them too through my son, so he offers it to Barrett. Barrett says, no way, I don't want any part of it. He offers it to JJ, and JJ is a believer in Jesus as Messiah, and so he starts getting the real thing. We got serious tension going on here, because I got real stuff happening here. He's passing on real stuff to him, and he's on the outside looking in. He's still stuck with the old stuff, with the fake stuff, but he's not believing. Jealousy sets in, and what happens? He kills Jesus, right? You are the ones responsible for wiping um, crucifying Jesus. So Jesus dies, he raises from the dead, he ascends into earth, and he leaves, okay? But now, on in Acts chapter 2, when the, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God comes upon people, now I've got a direct, real connection with people that have believed in Jesus. You see this? This is happening. He's still on the outside holding the old, holding the old covenant, holding the old, and he's got both in his hand. He's got old in his hand, but he also has the Spirit of God in him now because he's believed in Jesus. Then, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, whose Gentiles have always been on the outside looking in, they become believers in Jesus, and so he starts getting real currency from me, directly from the Spirit of God. Now, look, this is the situation in the church. This is what it looks like. We've got Jews who didn't believe in Jesus hanging on to the old covenant. We've got Jews who have believed in Jesus who have old covenants still functioning in the old system, but also have the Spirit of God in them. And then we have these Gentiles who have come onto the scene as well. They're not; they don't have any part of the old covenant, but they're hanging on to the Spirit of God in them because they have believed in Jesus. And Paul, in this environment, is says in Chapters 10 and 11, that his heart is breaking for this group right here. And he begins to speak to this group right here. And he says, don't be ignorant of this. This is how he starts chapter 11. Don't be ignorant of this. God has not totally turned his back on them. In fact, there's been a hardening of their hearts temporarily so that it would open the door for you come into the kingdom he then goes on to describe this bush this this tree and he says you you Gentiles you were like this you were from a complete you were branches that weren't even part of the original system you had no part of the original so you were these dead branches out there and by the grace and by the mercy of God you were grafted into this to this root you were grafted in but you you weren't the ones that are the root of the system. You're just, you're just invited in. These people are broken branches, but they're broken off from the original root. And so he goes on to say this, and this is what's really challenging. He says, if it's glorifying God that he took you, all these dead, disconnected branches and brought you in, how much more will it glorify him to get these branches that were once a part of the system broken off, reconnected in? And he goes on to say this, all Israel will be saved. Now, I, I don't know how to explain that to you, okay? Um, and, and there are guys that are way smarter than me that they can't even agree on what Paul is actually saying. Here's a guess. Here's my best guess. This original system fulfilled it but because of the promises that God gave Abraham because of his faithfulness to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and and even to David these promises are still to be fulfilled and he says this this hardening is temporary and so somehow some way these people are going to come back into faith in Jesus now if you look at Hebrews chapter 11 you see an interesting list, right? We've talked about this before. You've got the Hall of Faith. You've got all these names that go all the way back to Abraham. And somehow these people had faith in Messiah because that word faith literally means, it's, its the Greek word is pistis, and it literally means faith in, belief in Jesus Christ as Messiah. So all these names from this, the Old Testament that's listed in Hebrews 11, somehow these people had faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah Generations and hundreds and years before Jesus even walked this earth, somehow these people had faith, and it makes me think that somehow these people who have rejected Jesus so far, even still today, who have rejected Jesus as Messiah, this is why I had him stay on this side of Jesus, because they're still waiting for Messiah. They don't, they haven't acknowledged yet most of them that Messiah has come, so they're still waiting. They're still hanging on to this old system, but somehow they're eyes and the and the eyes of their hearts are going to be open one day, and they're going to come into belief in Jesus as Messiah, but Paul is saying temporarily for whatever reason this two thousand years of of the hardening is still in place because he says it's going to be that way until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, so there's this number out there that those and we're all that this is us we're we're the Gentiles okay. We're the JTs in this little play, right? This is us. And, and there's still more of us to come into the kingdom. That fullness has not happened yet. When that does, this, I'm just quoting Paul's words here. When that does, the eyes of the Barretts will be opened again. And these Jews who have not believed will somehow come into belief. This is how chapters 9, 10, and 11 flow leading us into chapter 12 can you give these guys a hand thank you guys and here you can keep you can keep the real money i need the monopoly money back i don't want to mess up my game Just make sure you share that with all right so that that's the first two-thirds of, of romans and then we get to our finally get to our reading today here's what it says therefore that's why I had to explain all that, because if you don't know what's happened first, then you can't understand the therefore. So now that we understand all this craziness, and he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, in view of the fact that whether whether you're a Gentile here and you're feeling pretty prideful of the fact that you finally are in God's kingdom, don't get too prideful of that, and don't be don't be so prideful that you're Uh, You're mistreating the lost Jews over here because they're going to experience mercy just like you have experienced mercy. And in view of that mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now think about this. Right about the same time that this letter was written, there was a horrible fire in Rome. Nero was the Caesar at that time. Nero was Caesar. It was widely believed that Nero himself was responsible for this fire. Historically, that, that's, that's what historians will tell you. Nero himself was responsible for this fire. Um, but there were not impeachment proceedings that could unfold for Caesar's back then. Um, There were not congressional inquiries that could, could be put into place to check into facts about Nero's involvement or lack of involvement. So basically, because he was Caesar, because he was king, whatever he said, they had to go with. And Caesar's like, I didn't do it. Christians did it. Christians did it. And believe me, the persecution of the Christians ramped up to crazy levels, and it was bad. And it was bad for a couple hundred years. In fact, Christianity wasn't the state religion until Constantine became king. That didn't happen until the 300s. So here we are in about 64, 65, 66 A.D. when all of this takes place. So when Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, realize He's talking about literally, and he's talking about figuratively. Now, here we are 2,000 years later in an America where, where we're free to come here and worship, and we don't know persecution. We've really never known persecution. And persecution may or may not happen to us in our lifetimes. So, so the literal offer our bodies as living sacrifices for the sake of Christ, that may not really ever happen for us. But believe me, it was happening for them. And when you when you do research into the first and second century believers, it's amazing. They longed for it. They they hoped that they would suffer for the name of Christ. They hoped that they would be able to be counted in 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 the in on, on the list of martyrs. They hoped that somehow, some way they could be chained up and, and, and thrown into the arenas and who know who knows what they'd be up against without holding a weapon lions tigers soldiers what it was just sport for the romans to put the christians out there and to torture them that was their normal and that's what they hoped for it's weird isn't it because really our prayer lives today are the are the exact opposite of that we're begging god to protect us from evil we're begging god to protect us from those that would persecute us. And I'm not saying that's a bad way to pray. I'm just saying, understand that our mentality is almost the opposite of what these early believers hoped for. But nonetheless, here's Paul saying to us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, not just literally, but figuratively. Die to yourselves in view of God's mercy. And he he just explained, even I think it's chapter six where he's like, you know, some of us, when it when it comes to our, our relationship with sin, once we realize that we've been saved by grace, we will tend to have this tendency to think, well, the more that I sin, the more that grace abounds. And so so therefore that brings God more glory. And he's like, and uh-uh, uh-uh, that is completely the opposite of the way you should be thinking. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He doesn't just want a part of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want to just come in and live in one corner of your heart. He wants all of your heart. And He goes on to say this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't want just a portion of your mind, but he he wants full mind renewal. He wants to come in and he wants to undo the lies that the enemy has sown into you. Whatever those lies might be, whatever those lies might sound like, and wherever those lies came from, The mind renewal happens because because we begin to believe something about this book. We begin to believe that it's truth. The only way you're going to be able to renew your mind is to fill your mind with with the truth of God's word. This is the only way to combat the lies of the enemy. Be transformed. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. See, that's what happens when we, when we renew our minds. When, when, we, when we replace lies with truth, that, that mind renewal begins a transformational process. And we begin to look like living sacrifices. And our, and our worship becomes true and proper. think that if I asked if I had time to ask each and every person in this room do you want to know God's will for your life most likely the answer is going to be sure I do yeah I want to know God's will look at this then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and you want to know what God's will is for your life, become a living sacrifice. Allow the the mind renewal to begin to take place, removing the lies of the enemy and replacing it with the truth of God's word so that the transformational process will begin to happen. Then you can know, you can test and approve, you can experience, you you can begin to walk out his good and pleasing and perfect will. And it's all happening because God's mercy and his grace is being poured out into your life. It's great because the the rest of Romans, what he does is he just starts giving advice to the believers. Here's Here's how your transformed behaviors should be looking. In fact, he reiterates something that Jesus has said many times, love each other. Show that love. Show that love. As we've been talking in the last couple of weeks in regards to worship, the the goal of worship is abiding in the vine, right? Jesus said it himself. I am the vine. You are the branches. Paul reiterates that picture today in chapter 11. We're just branches grafted into this, this amazing, holy, tree Jesus the vine worship him worshiping him is is true communion he said abide in me remain in me and I will remain in you we will be one just as 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 me and my father are one so we will you will be one with me and when you're doing that you will show love for one another that's how you're going to glorify me the the unity in the kingdom the unity in the church should exist because the church is abiding in the single vine. We're all doing the same thing, heading in the same direction. That's that's what it should be like. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. this is your spiritual act of worship, conforming no longer to the patterns of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind then you can test and approve God's good and pleasing, and perfect will. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of the power of your word, which is transformational, not just to those that walked this earth 2,000 years ago not just those that had to endure levels of persecution that we can only uh, read about in books, have not experienced ourselves it's not just for them, it's a reality for us today so I'm asking Holy Spirit that you will begin the mind renewal process in us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you will help I, help us identify lies that we have bought into, things that we have believed about ourselves that is contrary to the truth of your word. And then when you help us identify that, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that then you will help us seek and find the truth that you have to say, about us for us or even through us replacing the lies with truth that the remind the mind renewal process would begin even this morning leading to full transformation that we're not just saved by you but that we are sanctified, that we become living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. This is our true and proper worship to you. We want to know you, and we want to know your will, your good and pleasing and perfect will. May our our hearts and our minds be opened to that as you are doing, accomplishing that transformational work in us that ultimately then leads to transformational work through us to others that is when the body of Christ is glorifying you as we should that's when the body of Christ is worshiping you in spirit and in truth and I thank you for what you're doing now Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. It's In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You stand with me. I want to close by singing just one more hymn. Just, just the voices today.
2: When sorrows like sea billows roll. Let's pull that verse up. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glory. Th- Here it is. My sin, not impart, but the we testify it is well we the Lord a clap offering he is worthy of our praise may
3: the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face to shine on you be gracious to you may his countenance come upon you may he fill you with his peace have an amazing week walking in his spirit and his power see you next Sunday